0: Hello and welcome to the night sky for February. My name is Melissa Holbert and I am an astronomy educator at Sydney Observatory. Before we start our night sky tour, make sure you download the February sky map from our website at www.sydneyobservatory.com.au or grab your copy of the sky guide which can also be ordered from the website or through Powerhouse Publishing. Armed with your sky map and a small torch with some red cellophane covering it, find a nice dark place away from the glare of the street lights. And make sure you know your cardinal directions. That's north, south, east and west. Remember that the sun rises in the east, moves through the northern sky during the day and sets in the west. Or a small compass will also point you in the right direction. Pick a comfortable spot either on a rug or a deck chair that you can lay back in. Wait about five to ten minutes and allow your eyes to adapt to the darkness. Now let's turn towards the north. High in the northern sky is the familiar constellation of Orion the hunter. In Greek mythology Orion was a hunter of great skill and boasted that he could kill all living animals. Gaia, the earth goddess was alarmed by his statement and fearing for all the animals on earth she sent a scorpion to kill him. Orion was stung on the shoulder but was later revived and placed in the stars along with the scorpion. This entire myth is played out in the stars each year. As Scorpius the Scorpion rises in the east, Orion sets in the west defeated. When Scorpius sets in the west, the healer Ophiuchus crushes the scorpion into the earth and revives Orion so he can rise in the east again. Orion appears in many cultures. Even the ancient Egyptians saw Orion as Osiris, god of the underworld and of regeneration. If you're having difficulty picking out the hunter, then look for the saucepan. This is a familiar group of stars for those of us in the southern hemisphere and is Orion's belt and sword. Orion is upside down for us. Below the saucepan you should see the red supergiant star Betelgeuse. Remember the scorpion's sting? Betelgeuse has a distinct reddish tinge to our eye and is the shoulder or armpit of Orion. Above the saucepan and diagonally opposite Betelgeuse is a brilliant white star, Rigel, one of Orion's knees. Rigel is a blue-white supergiant star which is about 60,000 times more luminous than our own Sun. Rigel also has a small companion star which is best seen through a telescope. Though if seeing conditions are not the best, small telescopes will struggle to see the companion through the glare of Rigel. Let's return to the belt of Orion and follow its line to the west, where we come to the back of a sideways V. This V is the head of Taurus the bull, who appears to be charging at Orion. Taurus, like Orion, is also steeped in Greek mythology and represents the bull Zeus changed into to carry Princess Europa off to Crete. Back to the V, which is part of a large open star cluster visible in binoculars called the Hyades. One of Taurus's eyes is an orange giant star called Aldebaran, which means the follower, and it too has a distinct orange tinge when viewed with the unaided eye. It follows the Pallades, a wonderful star cluster that can be seen with your eyes to the northwest of the V. The Pleiades are known as the Seven Sisters as seven stars are readily seen with your eyes but away from city lights up to 13 can be seen with the unaided eye. The whole cluster contains about a hundred stars and binoculars are the best way to view this marvellous object. Make your way back to Orion's Belt and this time follow the line of the belt in the opposite direction towards the east. Here we come straight to a very bright white star This star is called Sirius, and is the brightest star in either southern or northern hemispheres. It is bright because it is close to us, only 8.7 light years away, or about 87 million million kilometres from us, and that's considered close. Sirius features strongly in mythology. To the Greeks it was the canine companion of Orion, but could also be Hermes, the guide to the dead. To the ancient Egyptians, Sirius originally represented Anubis, who invented embalming and funeral rites and guided you through the underworld to your judgement and helped weigh your heart to determine your fate in the afterlife. Later, Sirius represented the goddess Isis and the Egyptians initially based their calendar on Sirius's yearly motion around the sky. Sirius is the brightest star in the constellation of Canis Major, or the Great Dog, and perhaps is best known to our younger listeners as a character in the Harry Potter books who is able to change into a large dog. Let's do an about face and turn to look at the southern sky. High in the south is a bright star, in fact, the second brightest star in our sky, Canopus. Canopus is a white supergiant star and is 313 light years away. Canopus was the helmsman of the Greek king Menelaus and rather appropriately is now used by spacecraft as a navigational guide. Canopus is the brightest star in the constellation Carina, which represents the keel of a boat. Originally it was part of the large constellation Narvis, which was the ship of the Argonauts which Jason and the Argonauts used in their quest for the Golden Fleece. So nearby you will see Bela the sails and Pappas the poop. In 1793, Narvis was divided into the three constellations we see today. If you are away from city lights, you might make out two cloud-like shapes in the southern sky. A large one, almost straight overhead in the southern sky, and a smaller one, a little lower and to the west. These are the clouds of Magellan, but they are not clouds. They are companion galaxies to our own Milky Way. They are gravitationally attached to our galaxy and we now know there is physical interaction between these galaxies and our own. So what else can we look forward to seeing in the sky in February 2009? This month after sunset, look towards the west and you will see a brilliant white star-like object. Often incorrectly referred to as the morning or in this case the evening star, it is in fact the planet Venus. During the month, it will start to sink towards the horizon where it will eventually become lost in the sun's glare. Turn towards the northeast and rising just as the sky darkens is Saturn. Saturn is a wonderful object in a telescope as the rings can be seen even in a small aperture telescope. On the 11th, the 17-day-old waning gibbous moon, just past full moon, will be just above Saturn. February is also a great month for all you early birds in the eastern pre-dawn sky there is a wonderful grouping of Mercury Jupiter and Mars. On the 18th Jupiter and Mars are very close with Mercury above and by the 25th Jupiter and Mercury are very close with Mars below. The best morning would have to be the 23rd where from the horizon up we have Mars then Jupiter and above Mercury and sitting right beside Mercury is the thin 27 day old waning crescent of the moon should be a spectacular sight and well worth the effort to get out of bed early, providing the weather gods cooperate. If you have enjoyed this podcast and think you might want to regularly check out What's in the Night Sky, why not purchase a copy of Sydney Observatory's book The Australian Sky Guide for 2009? It not only contains detailed monthly sky guides, but is jam-packed with astronomical information, including rise and set times for the sun, moon and planets, tides, and a detailed look at our solar system and upcoming astronomical events. Only 16.95 from Sydney Observatory and Powerhouse Museum shops, or you can purchase it online, additional costs apply. I do have one wild card for all you daredevils this month, which is Comet Lulin. This comet may become faintly visible to the unaided eye towards the end of this month, but of course this would be well away from the city in dark skies. If, however, you are in the city, binoculars should help you pick out this comet. On February 7, it is in the constellation Libra, which rises around midnight, and as the month progresses, it moves through Virgo and finishes the month in Leo. I leave you now with that famous quote by renowned comet hunter David Levy, comets are like cats. They have tails, and they do precisely what they want. With that, goodbye. Please skies and see you next month under the stars.